Welcome, you who come in friendship, you who long for genuine community. May you be graciously received here as your authentic self. Welcome, you who come in curiosity, full of questions or simply open. May you embrace wonder and encounter new delights. Welcome you who come heavy with fatigue, weary from the troubles of the world or the troubles of your own particular life. May you rest and be filled in this sacred space. Welcome you who come with joy for gentle breezes, changing skies, trees are full of flower. May the grace of the greening world leave a lasting imprint in you. Welcome you who come with thanks for the altruism of the earth and the gift of human care. May your grateful heart overflow and bless all those around you. These opening words by Shari Woodbury. They welcome all those who have gathered this morning for our Sunday service. Welcome those of you who are here in person at the rather warm Essex Church. Welcome to all those who are joining via Zoom from far and wide. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Jane Blackhall and I'm Minister with Kensington Unitarians. The title of this morning's service is Discovering Delight. It's inspired by this splendid little book and the man who wrote it. It's The Book of Delights by Ross Gay. It's been around for quite a few years now, so likely a few of you will have come across it before I did, but I recently heard him being interviewed on a podcast. I was really charmed by him and by his reminder that, as the book jacket says, in our complex and sometimes terrifying world, it is more important than ever to stake out space for delight. So for the next hour, we're going to be considering how we might put ourselves in the way of delight, how we might attune ourselves better to delight, and how we might get into the habit of noticing delightful moments in our everyday lives. But before we go any further, let us take a moment, as we always do, to get settled and centred and ready to worship. This is an hour in which we can catch up with ourselves, be grounded, be present, so just take a moment to breathe. Be here now with your whole self in this beloved community as we attend to the life of the Spirit. I'm going to light our chalice flame as we do each time we gather. It's a simple ritual that connects us in solidarity with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over and it reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part. We gather this hour as people of faith, with joys and sorrows, gifts and needs, and we light this little beacon of hope, a sign of our quest for truth and meaning and in celebration of this precious life that we share together. Time to sing. Our first hymn today is number 247 in the Green Book, if you're present in the building, and the words will be on screen if you're joining via Zoom. A World of Wonder. 
Feel free to stand or sit as you prefer to sing along and sing up if you can. Let's take all of those joys and concerns, both spoken and unspoken, into an extended time of prayer and reflection now. This prayer is based on some words by Alex Jensen, which in turn are based on some more familiar words. You might want to adjust your position for comfort, put down anything you don't need to be holding. You might want to close your eyes or soften your gaze, perhaps as a posture that helps you to feel more prayerful. Whatever helps you to get into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together now. Be fully present in this sacred time and space with ourselves, each other, and that which lies within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being, we turn our full attention to you, the light within and without. We tune into the depths of this life, the greater wisdom to which and through which we are all intimately connected. Be with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and the stillness at the centre of our being. Your world become, your will be done here on earth, inspiring our aspirations to do and be better. May we have all that we need to survive, to live, to thrive. Remind us to be gentle. May we love mercy and kindness, recalling the times we've fallen short ourselves. Call us also to be firm in our resolve to serve the good 
May we not be tempted to follow selfish motivations or reside in narrow privilege, unexamined, uninterrogated. Move us to counter and overcome injustice in ourselves, our lives, our institutions. For yours is the beloved community, the fire of commitment in our hearts, and the spirit of generosity and abundance, now and always. And in this peaceful space, let us take a few moments to look back over the past week, sit quietly and inwardly give thanks for all those joys and pleasures that we've felt along the way. Moments of love, friendship and camaraderie, bursts of playfulness, spontaneity and generosity, feelings of achievement, creativity and flow, experiences of reassurance and relief, wonder and delight, all those times when we felt most alive and awake. Let us also take some time to ask for the consolation, forgiveness or guidance we might need as we acknowledge our sorrows and regrets. Times of loss and pain, anger and fear. Periods of uncertainty and anxious waiting. Realisation perhaps of our own weaknesses, mistakes and failings. Awareness of missed opportunities, those things left unsaid or undone. All those moments when we struggled or felt like a bit of a mess. And expanding our circle of concern still wider, let us bring to mind all those people and places and situations in the world that are in need of our prayers right now. Perhaps friends or loved ones, those who are closest to our heart. Perhaps those we find difficult, or there's a conflict going on. Perhaps those we don't know so well, people we've only heard about in the news. Let us take a few more moments to hold them all in the light of love. Spirit of life, God of all love. As this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. 
as we look forward now to the coming week. Help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Time to sing again. Our next hymn is number nine in the Green Book. Uh, so simple is the human heart. The words will also be up on screen. I think this is quite a familiar tune, but I'm not sure if we've sung it recently. So I think Peter will play it through in full before we sing. So simple is the human heart. So as I mentioned at the start of the service, today's theme was inspired by this great little book, The Book of Delights, written by Ross Gay. Now the title might make it sound soft and fluffy, but what makes the book especially great to my mind is that it is grounded in a more complex reality. It acknowledges that the world is often far from delightful in many ways, and it makes the case for actively seeking out moments of delight anyway, almost as an act of resistance in the face of all the things that might bring us down. I'm just going to read the short preface to the book to give you a bit of context about how it came about. So Ross Gay writes, One day last July, feeling delighted and compelled to both wander about and share that delight, I decided that it might feel nice, even useful, to write a daily essay about something delightful. I remember laughing to myself for how obvious it was. I could call it something like the Book of Delights. And I came up with a handful of rules. Write a delight every day for a year. Begin and end on my birthday, 1st of August. Draft them quickly and write them by hand. 
the rules made it a discipline for me, a practice. Spend some time thinking and writing about delight every day. And because I was writing these essays pretty much daily, confession, I skipped some days, patterns and themes and concerns began to show up. For instance, I traveled quite a bit this year. I often write in cafes. My mother is often on my mind. Racism is often on my mind. Kindness is often on my mind. Politics, pop music, books, dreams, public space. My garden is often on my mind. It didn't take me long to learn that the discipline or practice of writing these essays occasioned a kind of delight radar, or maybe it was more like the development of a delight muscle, something that implies the more you study delight, the more delight there is to study. A month or two into this project, delights were calling to me, write about me, write about me. Because it is rude not to acknowledge your delights, I'd tell them that though they might not become SAS, they were still important and I was grateful to them. Which is to say, I felt my life to be more full of delight, not without sorrow or fear or pain or loss, but more full of delight. I also learned this year that my delight grows much like love and joy when I share it. Words from Ross Gay, such a lovely book. So we're going to hear two of these very short essayettes now from the man himself, recorded a few years ago. They're called Tomato on Board, which some of you will know pleases me greatly. It's about taking a tomato seedling on a journey. And The Martha Lights, which is about playing basketball with a friend. I am Ross Gay, and I'm, I'm uh, here to talk to you about or read from this book that's coming out February from Algonquin Books. One day I was walking up a, a hill in um, Umberto Day in Italy, and there were like bees in these linden trees, and there were flowers all over, sunflower fields, and, and I was like, well, this is so delightful. I should write an essay about this. And then I said, well, it'd be more interesting if I wrote an essay every day for a year about this. More challenging, too. And so the book is kind of a, like an artifact of that exploration. And it, you know, it kind of ends up being a, a kind of treatise on delight and the, the virtues and um, you know, the, the labor of delight. So I'm going to read to you a few of them quickly. This one's called Tomato on Board. It's number 80. Tomato on Board. Well, you don't know until you carry a tomato seedling through the airport and onto a plane is that carrying a tomato seedling through the airport and onto a plane will make people smile at you almost like you're carrying a baby, a quiet baby. <laughs> I did not know this until today, carrying my little tomato about three or four inches high in its four inch plastic starter pot, which my friend Michael gave to me, smirking about how I was going to get it home. Something about this at first felt naughty, not comparing a tomato to a baby, but carrying the tomato onto the plane. And so I slid the thing into my bag while going through security, which made them pull the bag for inspection. When the security guy saw it was a tomato, he smiled and said, I don't know how to check that. Have a good day. <laughs> but I quickly realized that one of its stems, which I almost wrote as arms, was broken from the jostling. And it only had four of them, so I decided I'd better just carry it out in the open and the shower of love began. Before boarding the final leg of my flight, one of the workers said, nice tomato. 
which I don't think was a come on. <laughs> and the flight attendant asked about the tomato at least five times, not an exaggeration, every time calling it my tomato. Where's my tomato? How's my tomato? You didn't lose my tomato, did you? She even directed me to an open seat in the exit row. Why don't you guys go sit there and stretch out? I gathered my things and set the little guy in the window seat so she could look out. When I got my water, I poured some into the little guy's soil. When we got bumpy, I put my hand on the little guy's container, careful not to snap another arm off. And when we landed and the pilot put the brakes on hard, my arm reflexively went across the seat, holding the little guy in place, the way my dad's arm would when he had to brake hard in that car without seat belts to speak of in one of my very favorite gestures in the Encyclopedia of Human Gestures. And this one's called The Marfa Lights. The Marfa Lights. My buddy Pat and I went to shoot around at the courts here in Marfa today. We were warming up, shooting 12-footers, or doing slow spin moves and crossovers, when a young guy from the other side of the court swaggered toward us, holding a ball on his hip, the light gleaming in his earrings, and he challenged us to a two-on-two, pointing at some to himself and back to his buddy at the other side of the court, draining threes from the corner. We agreed and went on to kick the shit out of them, 21 to nothing. <laughs> That's a horrible figure of speech. I leave it in only to expose the violence we easily speak. We got more baskets than they did. That they were only 12 years old is irrelevant, <laughs> given as this was their home court. And they even had a crowd watching. Another little girl who, when one of the kids shouted to the gods, they're kicking our butts, said, I hope so, they're grown men. <laughs> So we'll return to Roscoe later on. But now we're coming into a time of meditation. I'm going to share some words, an extended guided meditation from Laura Mancuso. It's a piece called My Commitments to Myself. It's a series of affirmations, encouragements, reminders for practicing self-care so that we can live well each day. For me, it ties in with today's theme in that we're not focusing on delight as a form of denial in the face of life's difficulties, we're focusing on delight almost as a form of resistance. And this meditation is about taking good care of ourselves so that we can remain open to delight and not be entirely ground down by the tough stuff we face as we move through our days. We'll move from the spoken meditation into a good three minutes of silence, which will end with the sound of our bell. And then we're going to hear some lovely music from Benji and Peter. So again, let's each do what we need to do to get comfortable. You might want to get your feet flat on the floor to ground yourself. You might want to close your eyes or put down anything you don't need to be holding. And as I always say, the words, they're just an offering. Feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. So as I share each of these commitments, I invite you to take them in. Inwardly, repeat them to yourself. I take care of myself first because I am deserving of exquisite care. I take care of myself to maintain the capacity to help others. I attend to the needs of my body and move and stretch every day. I spend time outdoors in nature attuning my senses to the earth's wisdom. 
I ration my daily exposure to the news and I'm discerning about sources of information. I protect myself from becoming overwhelmed by disturbing reports. I pace myself. I sit with the reality of uncertainty and impermanence and I allow it to temper my desire for control. I listen to others' reactions, which might be different from mine, with equanimity. I forgive myself and others when stress brings out our shadow selves. I feel fear fully when I am fearful. I experience sadness fully when I am sad. I allow anger fully when I am angry. I relish joy fully when I am joyful. I seek out healthy pleasures and indulge in them without guilt. And I remind myself that feelings are transient states that move through me. They do not last. They do not define me, and nor do my thoughts. I balance the urge for self-improvement with compassionate acceptance of myself as I am. I initiate contact with loved ones near and far to let them know I hold them in my heart. I seek out with increased sensitivity those who are the most vulnerable. If possible, I share my resources with those who need help to survive. I move away from people, situations and experiences that do not serve the highest good. And I strengthen my connection to sources of spiritual strength so that I may be replenished. I acknowledge the nearness of death as a spur for living a full life. I grieve my losses and celebrate my successes. I pray for the suffering of all beings to cease. And I remain open to new ways of being, surprising sources of uplift and joy and fresh discoveries of delight every day.
Mindful by Mary Oliver. Every day I see or hear something that more or less kills me with delight, that leaves me like a needle in the haystack of light. It was what I was born for, to look, to listen, to lose myself inside this soft world, to instruct myself over and over in joy and acclamation. Nor am I talking about the exceptional, the fearful, the dreadful, the very extravagant, but of the ordinary, the common, the very drab, the daily presentations. Oh, good scholar, I say to myself, how can you help but grow wise with such teachings as these, the untrimmable light of the world, the oceans shine, the prayers that are made out of grass. This poem goes from one person wearing glasses and finishes with a person wearing glasses. It's called Miniature Delights by Anne Ryland. You in your new cranberry sweater, glasses askew, reading about James Bond and then Elgar being nobody at home with all the lamps on and quite shapeless within beloved habits. Unknown bird at dawn who laughs an ascending scale of notes in our garden. Opening a card of bluebells and wood sorrel to find a letter written in neat fountain pen script. A conversation lasting six and a half hours, completing it without being put off or told off. The vacancy for a part-time shepherd, wondering how it would blend with poetry. A slow breakfast at the foot of a castle while ruins tell their stories and cows promenade the cliff. A stroll along the pier in my pale blue duffel coat, greeted only by the seal who wants to flirt. Smoke spiraling from chimneys, long the long breath of a house or its thoughts puffed by fire. Listening to Ave Maria, imagining Schubert asleep in his glasses in case a new song woke him by surprise. Thanks, Juliet, and thanks, Chloe. Two poetic takes on delight. 
and I settled on discovering delight as our service title, mainly chosen for alliteration purposes, I admit, now I come to think of it, because it isn't really so much about discovering delight, that's not quite right, or at least it doesn't tell the full story. For me, discovering suggests accidentally tripping over delight, happening upon it, chancing on delight almost accidentally, and of course that does happen all the time. But the core message of today's service, and the thing I really love about Ross Gay's angle, is that he speaks of developing a delight radar or strengthening his delight muscles. It's not a passive process. In making a practice of delight, committing to noticing one moment of delight each day and writing it down, he trains himself to become more sensitive to it. His delight radar becomes ever more finely tuned. This makes sense from a neuroplasticity point of view as well. We develop our neural circuits by repeatedly looking out for delightful happenings. And in a way, we train ourselves to detect moments of delight more readily so that in time, we'll find them even easier to notice and appreciate. Now, Ross Gay is no Pollyanna. He sees all too clearly what is wrong in the world. He does not deny the very real suffering and injustice that is all around him. But with this practice of delight, he doesn't allow himself to sink into hopelessness and despair about it either. Paying attention to what is good, what is still good, still delightful, despite everything, that can potentially draw us into a virtuous circle. As we notice where our moments of delight are coming from, the people, the places, the activities that are delightful, we can move towards those sources of joy and make even more intentional space for them in our life. And we might even choose to see this as an act of defiance, an act of resistance against those social and economic forces which seem to squeeze much of the joy out of living for so many. For anyone who is struggling to stay afloat, who's working all hours to make ends meet, holding on to sources of delight in the face of all that may be seen as a way of asserting our inherent worth and dignity. When we're in tough circumstances, it may be that those small delights are what it takes to give us the juice to carry on. I put a quote on the front of the order of service today, which speaks to that. Rose Kennedy says, birds sing after a storm. Why shouldn't people feel free as free to delight in whatever sunlight remains to them? So the take home message today is a very simple one, at least in theory. Over the coming days, I invite you each to have a go at tuning your own delight radar or building your delight muscles. Each day this week, see if you can notice one moment of delight and write it down, or even better, share your moment of delight with someone else by telling them about it. Ross Gay's book came to my attention when he was recently interviewed on one of my favorite podcasts, We Can Do Hard Things. And the couple who host that show said that they'd got in the habit since reading his book of saying delight, delight to each other as they were going about. Whenever they encounter a delight in the wild, um, it's become a thing they do. And that practice of noticing and sharing and pointing at delights as you see them, that reinforces an uplifting spiral. But bonus points for noticing delights in as varied a range of settings as possible. Let your delights be both serious and silly. Maybe use all your senses and find delights you can see, hear, touch, taste and smell. And of course, I would encourage you to share some of your recent delights with each other after the service, maybe over tea and cake in the room next door if you're in the building, maybe in the chat box on Zoom, perhaps in the congregational WhatsApp group during the week. 
there's your challenge or your invitation, should I say, for the week to come. And with that in mind, let's sing our final hymn. I've picked all the summary ones today. It speaks of the delights of this season. Number 268 in the green book, or the words will be on screen, Moods of Summer. It's quite a long hymn, this one, so if you want to conserve your energy, you might prefer to sit down, but do as you prefer. And this celebrates the delights we find in all of summer's moods. Number 268.
Just a few announcements then. Well, quite a few today, in fact. Thanks to Janine for tech hosting. Thanks to Maria for hosting at home. Thanks to Chloe and Juliet for our readings. Thanks to Benji and Peter for lovely, lovely music. Thanks to Carolyn for greeting and to Marianne, who will probably get the kettle on. She's going that way right now. Um, for those of you who are here in person, uh, there will be carrot cake and other refreshments in the room next door. Please do hang around and chat. You can come and find a shady spot in the garden as well if you'd like. Um, and feel free to stay behind and have a chat on Zoom with Maria if you'd like as well. You could theoretically stay here all day today if you want, especially if you like singing. Straight after the service, well, straight after you've had your tea at 12 o'clock, Margaret will be hosting a free of charge singing class. Um, she can improve your voice. Whatever state you think it's in, she will help. Uh, at 1.30, the Many Voices singing group, we have one of the honoured guests today is, is one of the founders of Many Voices. Gaynor is, is, is looking after that for Maria today, and there's a guest leader, Katie Rose. That's at half past one, uh, 12 quid to enter, LGBT and allies uh, singing for fun group, and everything I hear about it is splendid. Maybe you can ask Gaynor if you want to know more. In the afternoon, um, actually, Heather Jane, do you want to come up and say your bit about this, or shall I... Can you come to the mic? Hello, well, I'm Heather Jane and I'm from the Best of Screen, Seven Oaks con uh, Congregation. And um, a, a few months ago, we did um, an event here called Celebrating Diversity. And we brought people together to, um, well, celebrate diversity. This time, we're bringing together people this evening to celebrate life. So it's been an absolutely wonderful theme and I've learned so much from what you said and I'd love to quote a lot of what you said today. But one of the things we wanted to do was to hold a tea for some very, very vulnerable women. But in fact, that's not able to happen because the staff that work with them are so overwhelmed that they really can't bring them here today. So, we have tea and baklava at 3pm. If you would like to stay, there will be some sort of artwork if people want to take part and also some music. So you're very welcome to both of those to come and attune our neural networks <laughs> to delight. Thanks, Heather Jane. So maybe have a chat if you want to know more about that. Various small group activities going on as usual. There are still spaces for our online contemplative spiritual gatherings, Heart and Soul, tonight and Friday at 7 o'clock. This week's theme is leisure. Um, please note that Heidi's cultural out into the Tate Britain has been postponed. That will now happen on the 12th of July instead. Please call Heidi for details. Next Sunday, I'll be back with a Pride-themed service, including uh, guests from Unitarian Head Office, Lizzie Kingston-Harrison and Rory Castle-Jones. They're going to be telling us about the excellent, recently launched LGBT Unitarian Voices History Project and Travelling Exhibition. We'll be celebrating our radically inclusive history and pondering what it would require of us to live out those same values today. I think I will skip my other announcements because we're already running a little long, but they're all on the back of your order of service and in the Friday email. Um, this congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings. We encourage you to keep in touch with each other, look out for each other, and do what you can to nurture supportive connections. So just closing words and closing music now. May the blessings of life be upon us and upon this congregation. May the memories we gather here give us hope for the future. May the love that we share bring strength and joy to our hearts. 
and the peace of this community remain with us until we meet again. Amen.